0: This is To Be Continued, the Coming Out Saga podcast, and I'm Amber Birch. At the moment, I use she, they pronouns, though that could change at any time, and I am here to normalize that for myself and anyone else. I came out first as pansexual and now as queer at the age of 40 after an eight-year marriage. This podcast is my attempt to sift through the many layers that are part of the after of coming out. I hope in my stories and the questions I'm sitting with, you'll ultimately see glimpses of your own story and space to be with it all. So, I'm trying to practice offering less disclaimers and apologies, balanced with a sensitive awareness of what may be hard or triggering for others. So what I'll offer here is this, I'm learning how to navigate a language of inclusion that is rapidly and delicately evolving. I am not always going to get it right or best, but I do welcome dialogue and I hope above all, you will always honor what's best for you and care for yourself accordingly. I am glad you're here. Whether you are a returning listener, a friend that I actually know, someone who has just been listening but who I don't know, or if you're just popping in for the first time, I'm grateful you're here. I am taking a little. A little shift in this episode um, because I you know the topic of the after story of coming out, even just coming out itself it's often a weighty thing there's a lot of i mean there's a lot of fun and funny and uncomfortable awkward firsts, but there are plenty of of things that are heavy and hard and painful and um Beautiful, but just they're weighty, and I feel like maybe it's time to just put a little pause on that and infuse some lightness into into the heaviness, um not as a way of <laughs> I'm not a bypasser of hard emotions, but i I tend to get so committed to not bypassing hard emotions that it can be very difficult for me sometimes to pull my head up out of the muck and take a breath. Um, And I feel like I've been in a pretty bleak place lately where I'm just, I'm trying to gulp air and I'm trying to just experience joy And it's really hard. I don't know if, you know, if you've been in a similar place for any number of reasons. You know, that place where it's just hard. It's really hard to get out of bed. You're just tired. Everything's kind of meh. Um, And there's just a lot of anxiety that travels with you throughout the day. And it's hard to shake that off. Um, and so for me, there've been a number of reasons for that, but certainly the, the holiday season can just kind of amplify what's already there. That's hard. If, and so, um, if you are one of those people for whom the holidays tends to amplify grief, um, you're not alone. And I feel like I've given a lot of, a lot of talking space to that. I've given a lot of writing space to that and what I share on Instagram. And, and it, it deserves that space, but I feel like I would like to balance out that space with a little more of some of the beauty that I need to remind myself of that's in my life right now. So, um, so I want to talk about family. And specifically, family around the holidays, but but really just family. And this has been something that has I've just been mulling over the last couple of days um, because I I realized through some conversation with a dear person in my life that I I'm in this the midst of this this paradigm shift just caught between this old and new when it comes to redefining reimagining family in my life and so it's like i'm i'm learning a new language and my i'm trying to re really rewire my brain to to, to this new language of family and i realize how much my My brain is still very much wired to the old paradigm of family for me. So the old, you know, as I've talked about in other episodes, when I talk about family, when people ask me, you know, who's your family? Or when I talk about loss of family, I feel it very acutely. Like I've lost, I've lost most of my family in the past year and a half. Uh, for a variety of reasons Um, and and I I, I've talked about that Um, when people ask me again who my family is I tend to say the, the answer that has always been my answer well you know I have a mom, I have an older sister um I have extended family I'm not close with, um, and that and that's pretty much it. I have a dad that died. That's my story, but it's an old story. I mean, it's still it's still present, but it's also old because I've been really like kicking around and discarding this inherited belief of what family should be and, and choosing my own. And so, um, you know, when I first got the news of, you know, really my mom's, you know, response to my coming out was a rejection of my identity and i i realized you know in that moment of reading her response um that this was a closing door and i i just felt overcome with the knowledge that while this loss did cut deep i i was also okay i had chosen family and i i felt that so almost viscerally in in that moment, just this reminder of, I have chosen family. But since then, you know, the journey into queer culture has been a bit rougher and lonelier than I imagined. And, you know, the holidays are here and a number of other things have happened. And so it's just, again, amplified the sense of lost, loss and lostness. And so, um, I've, I've like stepped away from that, that sense of knowing, oh, but I have chosen family and I want to step back into that place because that's a really important place to stand um, for any of us who have been rejected by family. That is, you know, blood family or have had to Put hard boundaries in place or who have lost family, you know, for other reasons to really remind ourselves of who in our life are our family, which hopefully, hopefully there's like one person, you know, I hope that you have at least one person in your life that you would consider family, but just like, you know, really holding that. That truth. So, what I want to do in this episode is recognize and amplify um, what's new in terms of family. I want to introduce you to just a few of the ones that I call my dearest people. And I say that also recognizing that i have a number of dear people in my life who are friends and i don't want anyone to feel left out or unappreciated there are so many people that i love that i know love me and i i'm I so grateful um, but to be considered family to me is something i reserve for very very few um And even within that, there are kind of different designations. There's family with this like lowercase F. um, And I, I have some really beautiful, much loved family of this kind that are mostly online. You know, my Instagram community includes some people that I've known for years, but just haven't really been able to be in person with. And there's some people I've met a few times in person and there's, you know, people that I've you know have more of a friendship with. And there's plenty of people I've never met. And I've just been embraced and loved and supported by this family since for a while, but especially since I embarked on this journey of leaving my old life behind and finding um a true freedom. And and so I have like such love and appreciation for each and every person who's included in that family and that community, even if I'm not naming each person here. But then there's family with this like capital F and these are the ones that, um, you know, we've reached a point where I think these people are going to they're going to be in my life for the long haul. That could change, but where I just feel comfortable settling into that. um, Because I've had so many people come and go in my life. And, you know, while I've learned that this actually is, it can be quite normal and healthy, um, it's still hard for me to really believe that, that there are people that are going to stay, even if, you know, There's always freedom for for someone to go. So it's these family that I really want to introduce you to today um, in hopes of sharing some of the beauty of what it means to have people like this in our lives who choose to be in our lives and just to honor them. start with a quote from a book that has been a companion for me since I left my marriage and my old life behind. Um, This book is called Untamed by Glennon Doyle and when I talk about kind of this concept of rewiring the brain with a new language around family. This quote really speaks to that in a powerful way. She wrote, destruction is essential to construction. If we wanna build the new, we must be willing to let the old burn. And woo, do I feel that on so many levels. But in terms of family, there is there has been uh, there has been a destruction of the old, and I it sounds really violent, <laughs> uh, but it really is just a crumbling, really a leveling of of an old structure, it's partly by choice and partly just by circumstance and other people's choices it's just a mix of all kinds of things that have brought this old structure to the ground in my life and i am in the process of building something new because what was old wasn't working for me and so i had to i had to let it crumble and so you know again When people ask the question of, the get-to-know-you questions, where's your family? Do you have siblings? Are you close with them? All these things. My just default response has been the response that does not reflect my current definition of family, but it's the one that's on the tip of my tongue. I answer from this, this story of family of origin. And it's a story that centers really on loss and centers on lack of closeness and pain and loneliness. It's a story that makes people uncomfortable or sad, and I don't enjoy telling it. (laughs) It's just got so many layers of history as these stories tend to, and it's very nuanced and it's very vulnerable and it's not something I want to get into with most people and certainly not. Uh, in casual conversation, so I want to change that automatic response to reflect what my current and and evolving truth is around family. but I have to work at it. I have to practice much like I am you know I have when I first began um interacting with and having relationships with people who had different pronouns than he or she <laughs> I I had to really practice getting those pronouns right I had to change my brain and I'm still working on that even though I also am starting to use some different pronouns it's still something that I'm in the process of changing rewiring my brain from so many years of conditioning, of assuming, you know, these default pronouns. Um, And much like I have to practice not assuming, you know, that people's pronouns, but asking for pronouns. And much like I have to practice using gender inclusive or just ungendered language when I'm talking about people in general. And in a world that uses gendered everything. And so, even though, again, I identify more fluidly these days, and this is so much more a part of my daily world, it's still something that does not just completely come naturally to me because I, like everyone else, was raised in a culture that, you know, conditions us. To, towards these other defaults so in the same way I have to practice unconditioning that story of family and telling the new story until the language becomes fluent on my tongue so you know again a quote <laughs> that I will take from Glennon Doyle um, because I feel like to to talk about my new with family, I, I need to talk about what family actually is to me. And I feel like she gives a really good she puts this into language that really resonates for me. And I edited her words to make them, you know, more gender neutral. Um she wrote, A broken family is a family in which any member must break themselves into pieces to fit in a whole family is one in which each member can bring their full self to the table knowing that they will always be both held and free therefore for me family is wherever and with whomever I can be held and whole and free. Period. And I don't know about you, but that that narrows my scope of family to a pretty small number of people. And none of those people are people that I am blood related to. So what I'm learning, and this is all me speaking from my place of truth. This is, of course, I hope it goes without saying, but this is not something I espouse to be everybody's truth or something that everybody should do by any means. You do you. Uh, But this is, this is what I've come to at this point in my life, is Just because I'm born into a family, it doesn't mean I'm obligated to make these the most important relationships in my life or to break myself into pieces in order to make them work or to keep the peace. I don't owe anyone priority or intimacy or infinite chances. No one gets a free pass to not honor my boundaries and of course this is so far from simple and again every single one of us has to make whatever decision seems best to us you know factoring in all of the unique considerations that we each must there's no judgment in continuing to try with your family of origin because it Because it's just messy or the timing isn't right or you just don't fucking have the energy to just disrupt the status quo right now. And there's no judgment in drawing your lines and asking them to be respected. And if they aren't, to step back and say, then I can't can't continue giving you this access to me. So I love my biological family, and I always will. I will always care about them. I will always hope that they are safe and healthy and fulfilled. I respect their autonomy. I respect their freedom to choose their boundaries and beliefs and values that are different from mine. And I also have given myself permission to not owe them any more of my emotional investment when these boundaries, beliefs, and values are in direct opposition to my peace or my wholeness as a person. So so that is the snapshot of, okay, that's my baseline of family is we must be held and whole and free. And so I want to now introduce you to uh, some of the ones with whom this is this has been true for me. Mm-hmm. So, as I already mentioned, the last year and a half really has been a total clearing out of all that I called family, whether it was by marriage or by birth, and in that leveling to the ground of of family it it's enabled me to see very clearly what new growth of family had already was already popping up through the ground this was these were seeds that i had already planted years before and had been nurturing and i knew that they were there i just couldn't see them so vividly <laughs> as uh, for what they were until everything else was cleared away. But I'd been very intentional over the years in cultivating these other relationships that today I, I consider my family. So I'd like to introduce you to, it's about six <laughs> uh, of my nearest and dearest Family members, each of which I could talk about far longer than a few minutes, but in order to get through this, um, I'll try to keep it a little bit brief. Um, And I'm going to start with some of my non-human family and the ones that are uh, physically present in my life. And that those are my, my two boys, my babies, Tarzan and Ninja. If you follow me on Instagram, you have probably seen them. If you don't follow me on Instagram in my personal account, not my podcast account, uh, you probably have no idea who they are. They are sugar gliders. And if you don't know what sugar gliders are, they are little marsupials Uh, that look like flying squirrels. (laughs) They have huge eyes. They have rabbit soft fur. They are so freaking adorable. And they are, these two are so wildly different from each other in personality. They've been a part of my life for over five years. And really, they were lifesavers for me in a lot of ways. Uh, five years ago, I I needed these little beings in my life to care for, to um, I guess give me someone someone to care for, <laughs> and because I just I I had dealt with depression for uh, throughout my whole marriage, very hardcore depression, and so they really helped me get up in the morning, literally. So anyways, they have traveled with me from Washington across the United States to New York, and then bouncing around Vermont. And it's not easy traveling with sugar gliders. And they're not huge fans of change or of cold weather, but we have made it this far. And at this point, we're really stuck with each other. And Having them with me has helped me feel like I didn't have to leave absolutely everyone behind that I called family when I embarked on this journey. I got to bring these little family members with me and um, they, they're little joys in my life. My other non-human family, uh, and there's too many in this category to really be counted, um, are my wild family. And that includes, you know, not just animals and wild creatures of all kinds, but um, really trees, plants, mountains, water, um, and, and land, really the land that I get to live surrounded by and on that I find home in. And I didn't really have that intimate of a relationship with really wildness <laughs> um, prior to getting married. But the way that I ended up surviving my marriage in a, a was that I found refuge, purpose, company, beauty, and family in these wild spaces that surrounded me wherever I was at. You know, when I was first married, I was near a lake and it started there and I would retreat to this lake and it was there that I began noticing Heron and what a fortunate Thing to be anywhere where you can be around heron, they're incredible birds, and they they have become so dear to me uh just being in their presence is this otherworldly, magical um, very resonant experience then after really noticing the heron, I began to notice the environment that the heron were in and noticed that there was a lot of garbage and, you know, they fish out of those waters and the waters were polluted. And I just, it bothered me. It disturbed me a lot to think of them being vulnerable in this way, um, by the, the impact that humans have had on their home. So it, it lit a fire in me to begin picking up litter in their habitat and i i spread out from there to you know not just pick up litter around the lake but to go into parks and forests and to walk the neighborhood and and pick up litter wherever i could and i i learned this way, that to love a place and the ones who call it home and to call them family means that I need to express this protectiveness in tangible, active ways. So it started with litter picking. And then I, you know, I I began to get involved in conservation work and habitat restoration and then I, I began getting involved in climate activism, and And then, you know, it just evolved over the years, that, that this, while I was in this marriage in particular, I, I decided very consciously, this was going to be my great love story. The story I knew I would never have in my marriage, I could cultivate it here on my own with the land, with the earth, with all these wild creatures that I felt so deeply connected to and responsible for. And it became my reason for being alive, for really being on this planet at this point in time. And and it in so many ways, it still is. And I... I I went so far as to get this tattooed on my skin. It was my first tattoo at the age of 35. And it's this gorgeous piece of art on my arm of a heron flying through a forest of birch trees. And I was working in customer service at the time. And so it was very visible. And when people saw it, their response was overwhelmingly Oh, that's so sweet. Does your husband have one too? Because at the at the bottom of this tattoo is this type that says "We belong to each other." And I was so speechless when people asked this question because I'm like, "How on earth did you get that from this tattoo? Like, nothing on here screams uh, romantic love." Um, Uh, And, you know, of course, I couldn't fault people for not knowing that I am not the type of person who would get something tattooed permanently on my skin that commemorated a love I knew in my being would probably not last. But this one, I knew would. And I'm just, I'm in this until I die. (laughs) Like And so um, the fact that I have this on my skin, that I get to look at it every day, is just this this very vivid reminder of family that I carry with me literally wherever I go. And so wherever I go as well, physically, wherever I move, wherever I live, my first part of settling into any sense of home is getting to know the land and the wild creatures that are around me. And in this way, no matter where I'm at in the world, no matter where I'm at, as long as I can find that connection with trees, birds, water, mountains, fields, wild animals, whoever calls that land home, I will always be able to find family. And you know, I'm a forest person. Um, Trees in particular are just so special to me. And so when I'm in the company of trees, I really know that I'm home. And I seek out relationships with individual trees. I mean, if you're a tree person, (laughs) I, I think you can understand this. And I know A lot of people don't look at trees this way, but I've talked to other people who have this experience with trees where certain trees, the presence of certain trees can just call to you. And, you know, trees offer their presence in very individual ways um, when we're open to that. They offer their presence without condition too. And trees to me are elders, they're teachers, they're friends their kin. They always accept me as I am. They have l- literally held me up when I have been just emotionally uh, falling. I, trees have reflected to me the kind of person that I want to be through seasons of life. They reflect to me how I want to be as I age and, you know, trees create this vibrant habitat and home for so many of us. So it only made sense that when I, it came for me to, to change my last name, I wanted to choose a new last name for myself that was meaningful. So I chose a tree name, birch. And not only, you know, any tree, but this tree that has been so deeply symbolic in my journey so even my name reflects this bigger family that I am a part of. And, you know, I I walked out in the forest the other day, you know, just very weary lately. <laughs> and it, there was snow on the ground. And I just, I needed to go out in the forest to be in the presence of these physical reminders of family. And so on the ground, in the snow, were these these tracks. And there was deer, probably raccoon, wild turkey, squirrel, rabbit, some larger tracks that might have even been bear or bobcat. And they were going in all different directions, you know, crisscrossing over each other. And just having these tangible reminders that I'm accompanied even in indirect ways of, of just crossing tracks with each other as we go about our day-to-day lives was such a comfort for me. So that's my wild family in a nutshell. And then one of my family members is Diana, and Diana is a kindred spirit and a fellow dreamer who I met, God, I guess it was probably five plus years ago when I was living in Bellingham. I didn't have a, any friend at the time that I met her. I think I'd been living in Bellingham for a while and hadn't made any friends, but um, she and I were both volunteers at the Humane Society and we were doing an event together. <laughs> and, and we ended up um, striking up conversation and immediately connecting. Uh, We're both, you know, we both dreamt of rescuing animals and she now has two rescue horses after years of dreaming of this. And we're both introverts, both writers, both just people who notice the magic of small details outside and would just marvel in them. We both love autumn and Halloween and anything spooky. And so... We just connected. And so during the four years that I lived there, um, she was the one person who really knew me deeply. And seeing her, you know, every week or every couple of weeks offered me this, like, drink of water, this buffer of joy, this break from the relentless loneliness and hard of my life. Um, and she was the primary reason that leaving that home was so hard because she was home. Even even so, I also knew and I still know that if I ever needed a place to return to, I would have it, that I do have it, that I'll always be welcomed home by her to her and for that, I am so grateful. Another one of my family members is is Ruthie. Ruthie to me. <laughs> she doesn't go by Ruthie to most people, but to me, she will always be Ruthie because she is one of she is my oldest most faithful friend. And I mean that in the sense of um, I have people that, you know, I've reconnected with who go back to childhood for me who I am so happy to have reconnected with and I I love them. Uh, but, but Ruthie has consistently been in my life for about 18 years <laughs> and there is no other friend who has been with me the way that Ruthie has been for that length of time. And um, we were post college roommates and very unlikely friends who grew into friends that just stuck around after all the years. And, and somehow, somehow, she's just managed to get even more dear as the years have gone on. She is spontaneous and hilarious and just unceasingly generous. She's steadfast and loyal and one of my biggest fans. She's seen me through all the many life transitions of the past 18 years, and she has attended all the funerals of my past selves. And she has been there to cheer for and celebrate the emergence of every single one of my n- new selves or the new parts of me that emerge. And that is one of the hugest gifts that any of us could ask for are people that are like that. Over the years, her family has you know embraced me and considered me family. And so I have this extended family through her, and over the past year, you know I was inducted into this prestigious group of cousins, and you know which includes her sister as well and you know this was something i've never had myself, you know relationships that were close with cousins, and they were the first group, really the only group <laughs> that I came out to in person um, this summer and and they wholeheartedly embraced and celebrated who I am and and they continue to. And so Ruthie is like I, I've said this before when I've written about Ruthie <laughs> but I I could only wish that every person has a Ruthie in their life. Um it it has brought me to tears many times that I have this dear person in my life, um, because she she's just there there just has no, there's been no one like her and um, i'm I'm really lucky to have her as family and finally, another person that i I call family, have the privilege of calling family, is my friend G. And she is the friend that I never believed existed. And she has also this unique place of being the, I, I call her the platonic love of my life. And it all began on Instagram, of all places. Um, over four years ago. We just met up through a, a challenge that was being hosted by uh, someone that we both followed. And we engaged with each other's posts and just really clicked. And then it moved off of Instagram to other apps where we just began chatting, you know, talking to each other. And so this is where I really learned, really confirmed, <laughs> you can tr- find some truly beautiful, real people online if you're open. And you could love them deeply without ever having met them in person. And I, I remember somebody asked me, you know, not re- with regards to this friendship, but just like, because I've, I've had this experience before, you know, how could you fall in love with somebody that you've not met in person yet, which is a fair question. (laughs) And certainly a different scenario in some regards when it is romantic. But I think that I was open to that experience because I'd already learned that you can, I mean, I've, in a non-romantic sense, had fallen in love with G um, so completely without ever having to meet her in person. I have met her, we have met each other in so many ways without meeting each other physically that I just know that she's the real deal. And still, so back when I first met, you know, connected with G, At that point in my life, I'd really sworn off best friends. (laughs) I mean, I'm just like, I'm in my late 30s, been there, done that with best friends. I don't need another best friend in my life. They've all been a a painful experience. I'm good. Um, And I was really just kind of practicing this non-attachment that was more coping mechanism than spiritual practice, Uh, Because I just didn't expect anyone to stick around for longer than you know a season, (laughs) Um, but G just kept showing up. G just kept wanting to know me, and so I I kept my heart open, and over time I just kept seeing. Whatever either of us offered each other, we met the other with the same. She offered me her presence day in and day out, showing me time and time again that I was seen, I was valued. She wanted to know me. She wanted to know the real me. She wanted all parts of me without judgment. She showed me I was safe to have and express my needs and emotions, that I was held, that I had room to grow and continue becoming, that I was free to love and be loved by someone who was not only willing but available and desiring to show up and put in the effort of growing something beautiful together. I mean that's the thing with friendship is nobody's forcing us to do this. We haven't taken vows with each other. We can leave at any time. I mean that's love is freedom, right? Love is saying you are. I want to be here, but you are. We're also free to go. Um, And so it's beautiful, but it's also like. it also se- it seems like with a lot of friendships, there's just there's a different level of commitment. And, uh, and so to find somebody that wants to put in the effort of actually growing something together is, I think, rare. You know, our friendship has been this plant that we have cultivated together and is continuing to just evolve and take shape in really uh, stunning ways. And so, you know, after we left Instagram <laughs> and started, you know, leaving each other long voice messages because we're both introverts who aren't often keen on phone calls, <laughs> we started talking pretty much every day for the last four years, sharing the minutiae of day-to-day life, but also just the joy and the weightiness of our lives, and being so present for all of the things that have cropped up in life over the last years. So over time, I realized whether or not I use the term best friend, and I have, I would include several people in that. (laughs) You know, I have several people that I would consider, you know, among my best friends, but there's um this is a term that it's like she, this is a place that only she can occupy in my heart in the way that she does. And and not only this but she is my family. She is my home. She is a love that is pure in some ways than romantic love has ever been or maybe could be in my life. A love that I recognize is so great that if I never know a romantic love that matches this love, I'll not feel like I've lost out on anything. So um, that that is my G. So for the holiday season, you know we talk about going home for the holidays uh last year last year th- you know Diana, Ruthie and G and a handful of others who are so special to me brought home and family to me in the form of this this um really Project that they called Amber's Advent, um, where, you know, this group of people that participated made sure that I had something to open almost every day of the month of December, whether it was, you know, an email or a card or a meditation or a gift, I had something that was a reminder. Of, of home and so what I imagined would be the loneliest saddest holiday season of my life ended up being one of the sweetest and it was it was a gift and an, a collective effort like I had never experienced before I mean I don't know how many people ever get to experience something like that I consider myself really really lucky to have people that love me like that and who are, who are just so intentional to, and thoughtful to accompany me in that way. Um, but that was last year. And this year, though I've talked about the holidays again being a hard season, and they are because there is a lot of grief here, but this year I'll be going home not to a place where I'm from, but to a person who is home, and that is G. And, um, you know, we decided it is high past time that we meet in person, and why not do it during a season that's been historically painful for both of us? So we're giving each other and ourselves this gift of family, this holiday And it's even sweeter because neither of us celebrates Christmas. So we'll get to do our witchy pagan rituals around winter solstice and Yule together and just actually be in each other's physical presence. And that is something that I know is going to infuse um, my spirit with some much needed joy. Not just during this season, but um, during this time in my life that has been incredibly isolating and and lonely so that 's a little snapshot of of my my family and some of these ones that I so deeply love and feel are among the greatest gifts in my life and I can only hope, I can only hope that it, whoever's listening to this, <laughs> that, that there's at least one person or non-person in your life with whom you can be free and held and whole. And I hope, I hope that you will get to be in the presence of of this family, you know, during this holiday season at some point. And if you don't have that, I I hope that even even in this little podcast space that that you can feel some of that. That sense of family here I am certainly holding my my heart open with space for more family <laughs> um, through this this place as well and that would include you so wishing you peace and thank you for being here